Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and the song of praise is fitting. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. morning. Our Old Testament reading today is found from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stern taken root in the earth, when he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One, Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is stronger in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading today is from, from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 16 through 17, or excuse me, 16 through 27. <clears throat> for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will... I have a reward, but if not of my own will, 
I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. From Mark's gospel in the first chapter. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. He went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. I invite our young ones up to sit with Miss Rachel. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for gathering us into your house. As you work by your spirit to restore our hearts, restore our minds, and to ground them in your word. We pray that you lead us as we continue to rest in the promises that you have given us through your Son and his accomplished work for us, for forgiveness. And in his name we pray. Amen. In all of our movings around and in all of the places that our family has gone and in all of the years and the places that we've seen, there's one thing that has remained a really wonderful constant. And it has always been the desire to either find something that is in the residence of which we've moved into that we can 
make look better or refresh or restore a little bit. Or come across something at a garage sale or somewhere else. And there's one particular item that I remember when we were working at a garage sale with the senior high youth years and years and years ago up in Ventura, we helped this lady who was selling things from her house. And she had one of those wonderful 1960s chairs. I should have brought it. I'm sorry I didn't. But one of those 1960s chairs that's chrome and it was a terrible yellow and it has the step underneath that folds out so you can use it like a stepladder. And then, you know, the seat's about that high. The back on it is about there. And it was this um, baby poop yellow, uh, like 1960s era. So, and it was all right in some sense, but it just wasn't going to work for in our house. And the chrome was pretty rusted, and it was needed some attention. And so Michelle looked at it and she said, I love that. Not the yellow, but I love that. And so the lady gave us this chair, and we had this opportunity now to restore something. Because we, we've loved that with old cars, with anything that we could kind of get our hands on to help um, freshen up a little bit or, or see the value in it. And it was so much fun. We took the whole thing apart, every little bit of it that we could take apart. And all the chrome, we got to polish back down to this beautiful shining stainless that was underneath it. And it, all the rust came out of it. And then we got to paint and, you know, trying to mark everything off so we didn't have to tear off the little rubber steps or anything. And got to paint it up. And by the time it was done, it was beautiful. And it still sits in our house today. And I think we've had that thing for near 20 years at this point. You know, but it's this beautiful step stool chair now. And you can start to see the yellow underneath because the red's getting scratched off of it again. And now it looks like ketchup and mustard all mixed together. And it probably needs another restoration, but at the moment, you can see all the memories in it and the history in it. And it's, it's really quite beautiful. We walk through Mark's gospel and see Jesus doing something sort of similar. We see him restoring things. And remember, as Mark's gospel began, we get Jesus' words, right? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Hear the good news. And we've seen the kingdom of God at work. We've seen his word at work, calling the disciples out of whatever they were doing and into something new. And then we see Jesus at work. And this idea of the kingdom of God is an interesting thing to kind of wrap our heads around as well. Real briefly, and we can talk about it later in the study, but real briefly, you can think of it as God's active reign and rule happening. Okay, So stuff going on because God's present. Right? And, and that continues because God remains present with his creation, just kind of in a veiled way. But this kingdom of God at work, this stuff happening as Jesus is present, as he's speaking his word, as people are hearing this word, right? Calling people out of one lifestyle, going into a synagogue, a place that is a, a sacred spot where God's word would be read. And God's people would be gathered together, because that's all synagogue means, is gathered together. Yet there were demons in the midst of it. And so he goes in, and with his word, and with his presence, and with his authority, and ability to command all things within creation, he casts the demons out and starts restoring the church of the day. Starts restoring the people. What a beautiful restoration. 
And here's this carpenter who grew up handling nails and hammers and stone and chisels and everything else, creating and building, learning from his stepdad to an extent, I guess, learning from Joseph what it would be like to take something that doesn't look like much and fashion it into something that's useful, purposeful, beautiful. You can imagine all the old tables, chairs, and other things that might be around the homes of the day as they would have Joseph and Jesus come into those and maybe fix them up a little bit, maybe tighten them up a little bit, restore them a little bit as they started to get wobbly. Now Jesus, by his presence in the midst of his creation, walking into the synagogue and doing the same thing, it had gotten a little wobbly. The demons were present there and things were going off track a bit. And so he walks in and he starts teaching, starts preaching, starts talking about the good news of God, that the kingdom is at work. He starts restoring. Immediately after that, because he hasn't given up on restoring things. Immediately after that, after calling some guys out of their fishermen lives, and then after going into the synagogue on the Sabbath and healing on the Sabbath, which they didn't get mad for him on this occasion, but they cast the demon out on the Sabbath, and then he goes over to Simon and Andrew's house. There's another issue going on. The house had gotten, for lack of a better term, a little wobbly. Mom was sick. Mother-in-law was sick. And so Simon's mother-in-law is there ill with a fever, not in good shape at all, not feeling well, not being able to serve or be hospitable to a guest who's walking into the house, not being able to serve in the way in which it was expected for any household to serve as you had someone coming in. And so here she lay sick with a fever and not doing well, and everybody was concerned for her. And I love Mark's use of immediately once again. Immediately he goes over to her, holds her hand, lifts her up, and she left her. Could you imagine? That moment not feeling well at all and somebody walking in, holding your hand and smiling at you. And all of a sudden you feel better. Completely restored. Completely in better shape. Completely put back not only feeling well, but with a heart to serve, a heart to care nonetheless, and be able to be there and take care of all the things necessary for the sons, for the friends, and many of you moms and dads out there I'm sure know what that's like, is you go to fill a fridge with food and everybody runs in and empties it in a heartbeat, right? But that opportunity to take care of someone walking into your house, that opportunity to show love of the Father, to show the love of the that service restored her health restored everything restored and then blessed jesus spends time with them and the word gets out and everybody around town now is bringing not only their demon possessed because they heard jesus could take care of that but now also they're sick because they heard jesus could take care of that probably trying to figure out how this carpenter fisherman's friend guy is able to do all this stuff but nonetheless he's doing stuff and so they're gathered at the door of this entire house. And I'm sure Simon's mother-in-law is saying, I don't have enough food for everybody showing up at the house. But Jesus is there. They go to fix everything. Sabbath winds down. Sunset hits. They rest. 
wakes up the next morning, gets up while it's still dark, and runs off to pray. And the only thing that the disciples are worried about is pleasing everybody that's walking into town still, because everybody's still looking for Jesus. They're looking for him to restore more. They're looking for him to heal more. They're looking for him to take care of all of their needs. And the disciples now, as this fame has gone out about Jesus, are kind of excited about being next to this dude. I mean, you know what that would, might be like, right? If you ever walked next to somebody who's really well-known, it doesn't have to be some Hollywood famous person. Think of walking next to somebody who's lived in the same town for forever, and when you walk down the street, everybody knows them. It can be a little annoying at first because you can't hold the conversation. But then after that, you start walking into places of business, like, oh, hey, you're here. Come sit right here, best spot by the window, right? Come and sit at this spot. We've got a special meal for you. You need that? Oh, go ahead and take that. You can pay me later. You start to think, man, it's kind of nice hanging out with this person. Could you imagine being one of those disciples and standing next to Jesus? The man has power over everything. You might imagine they might want to hold on to him for themselves. Sit in the house a little longer, Jesus. Let this fame roll over on us a little bit more, Jesus. Let me uh, just ride your coattails for a little while. Come be the one that brings the attention back to Capernaum. Come be the one that makes everybody want to come here. Sometimes we can get a little hooked on that sometimes, right? And we like to have those blessings for ourselves. But that's not why Jesus came. He came to restore individuals. He came to restore churches. He came to restore homes. He also came to restore cities, towns. Well, all of creation, really. He came to restore everything. So as he looks at the disciples and he's just square in the eye and he says, yeah, I hear your desire for me to do more for you, but it's time for me to go do more for others. Let's go on to the next town. Let's keep preaching this word, that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the time is fulfilled, that God's actively at work, restoring. God's actively at work, making sure stuff gets taken care of. Imagine those carpenters' hands used to all the tools and the hardware necessary to restore furniture, then carrying, well, nails, some wood, beams, and other things necessary to restore the relationships between creation and creator. You would carry that broken down wood beam that was heavy as could be. In fact, somebody comes along to carry it with them as he would feel the nails that he would hammered buildings together with in the past, pierce his flesh, all the hardware necessary to restore something that none of us could ever restore, that God alone could restore, to make us right before him, casting out demons, restoring, well, in the resurrection, everything, healed completely. All sickness is done away with, all sadness is done away with, all relationships right and proper and wholeness in and amongst everything. What an amazing restoration. What an amazing rebuilding of things. And he continues to do that even now. 
we see it as kind of a slow restoration, but just think through the relationships in your life where God's word has been the central point in that relationship and how reconciliation can happen. And when that word is then grounded in a home, how it no longer becomes a bitter fight to the end between siblings, but there's actually forgiveness spoken and apologies made and joy filling a home again. Because God's word continues to call people unto himself like he did with the disciples. God's word continues to work within churches to get the things out that distract us from God's word and keep us focused on his work, his time being fulfilled, his kingdom at hand, his word continuing to go out. And then that word flows right from the churches into our homes and it reshapes those relationships. It reshapes those homes. And it doesn't mean that all suffering and sadness goes away, but it certainly means that there's a joy in the midst of it to hold on to, to know that when loved ones die, we will see them again. To know that when loved ones are sick, yes, healing is possible in our time, but it's absolutely promised in the resurrection. And then he sends us out with that word into the cities, into the marketplaces and to all the other places where his word would be carried out as he works through you for more people to know of the good news, that the kingdom of God is still at hand, that it's still at work. And from the churches to the homes to the cities, we start to see the work of God continuing to be done, to continue to restore his creation, to continue to have his kingdom working. What a beautiful thing to know that God is for you, and for everyone else that hasn't heard that word yet. And then he works through you so that they would all know also. What a beautiful promise from a God who created everything and saw it broken and said, you know what? <clears throat> I can restore that. And he does. And he continues to in Christ. Man, what it's going to look like when that restoration is done. Amen. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for doing all things necessary to restore us unto you and that you continue to work by your spirit to let the rest of creation know that you are still at hand, that your kingdom continues to work, that you are still Lord and God. And we pray that you would continue to keep your word upon our lips so that our churches, our homes, our cities, everywhere would know of your love for your creation and that you continue to work to restore it unto the day when you make it perfect. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.